This is Darrell Lalia, and you're listening to the Before the Man's Podcast, episode 82. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place mr hollywood himself presents the before the millions podcast and now your host deray olalaye hey what's up what's going on btm tribe deray olalaye here and welcome to another episode of the before the millions podcast guys on today's episode i am super excited and it's because like we're at the end of the year, guys, this is, this is one, it's 2019. And this year has gone by so fast. Many of you are in the process of starting your business, buying your first investment property. And last episode, episode 81, I mean, we literally showed you exactly what you needed to do to be able to form your first entity, when and how you should form that entity so that you can protect yourself and your assets. On today's episode with Shannon, our tax strategist, we are going to have a powerful conversation surrounding mindset. (laughs) Yep, mindset. A powerful conversation surrounding meditation, manifestation. And of course, as a tax strategist, we're gonna have to do some tax planning. Most tax episodes on most podcasts, I mean, they're boring and you, you guys are just like, I don't like this. I don't understand this. I don't want to hear this. Well, this episode, guys, we've made it as fun as possible. There's so many gems. I've already listened to this episode at least four times. Like it's that good. So when you combine last week's episode and this week's episode, you're going to be able to start formulating a plan, at least for the new year, if you haven't started yet to create your business, the business that's going to eventually allow you to live the life that you want to live. So I'm giving you the tools on these episodes to build your business with the end goal in mind. So this tax planning episode is going to be like no other. You are going to learn why we invest in real estate. What are the tax benefits of investing in real estate? You're going to learn if you have kids or if you're planning to have kids or if you're, you know, you're going to have kids way down in the future. Like me, I don't know, <laughs> but you're going to learn how to pay your kids and write the whole amount off. So instead of just, just giving allowance, which you're going to do already anyways, run it through the business and we'll show you how. Office space in your house, write it off. Your car, your gas, any and everything that you use for your business, start writing those things off if you haven't already been doing that. We're going to get into all of that on today's episode. 
literally, I know people who would package episode 81 and this episode, episode 82 together and sell that. That's how powerful these episodes are. Me, I've been doing a lot of planning myself for 2019. We have a new site going up in a few weeks. We have about three new products we're rolling out. We're going to have a new focus on social media. And probably by next week, we'll slowly start dripping out all of the new things that we have in store for you guys. So anyways, back to this episode. Before you even listen to it, go ahead and share it with a friend. A friend you know that just started a business. A friend you know that has questions about taxes. Has questions about planning. Has questions about what can I write off? What can't I write off? Has questions about investing in real estate and how taxes play a part in that. Has questions about the money that they make at work and how they can stop paying so much in taxes. Yes, we're going to show you how to offset your W-2 income with cash flow in real estate so that you will be taxed less on your paycheck at work. So without any further ado, let's first get to the tip of the week. <laughs> DeRay's tip of the week. So here's my thing for the tip of the week, guys. Earlier this year, in one of our more popular episodes, episode 31, which was a solo episode that I did for you guys, just kind of highlighting reasons why uh, we should go ahead and get started investing in real estate and rental real estate this year. Reasons why it's crucial, absolutely crucial to invest in 2018. But I mentioned something that I've been thinking about lately, and it's not something that I would take back per se. I mentioned that when it comes to taxes, it's not good to get a tax refund. And I said that because when you look at the numbers, and again, I'm a numbers person, you look at the numbers and you see that the amount of money that you're getting as a refund, that money is money that the government owes to you, meaning that throughout the year, every single month, every single check, you've been making payments to the government in the form of taxes, but you've been paying a little bit more, maybe a lot of bit more. And because you've been paying more at the beginning of the next year, once you filed your taxes and you get your refund, you're excited because you have a refund check. And it's this, this, it's this feeling that's indescribable when you have that money coming your way, money that you feel like you didn't earn, you didn't save, it just kind of just fell in your lap. It's a wonderful feeling. And I talked about in that episode, episode 31, the fact that when you get that refund, it's not the right thing to do. It's not the right thing to get because every single month, that extra that you're paying, and this is every single month for every single year, that extra that you're paying, you can take that and you can actually invest that or you can save it to where it's a substantial amount to where you can invest that. Because for 12 months out of the year, until you get that refund, that money is not doing anything for you. You're letting the government borrow that money and they're making money with that money plus interest rather than you making money with that money plus interest. So although there's almost safekeeping your money, like it's a savings, there's no reason why you can't do that yourself and put that money to use so that you can start multiplying those funds throughout the year. And that was my whole point when I said that. And it still rings true to this day. 
But as I said, I've been doing some growing and I've been thinking when it comes to what we're about, what we talk about, which is lifestyle, lifestyle design, living life on your terms, doing what it is that you want when you want, having a business that you love, that you're passionate about, being able to build generational wealth for your family, all these good things. We do these things or we strive for these things to make us happy. So if happiness is the goal, then we should always look to try to do things that make us happy. And again, this is going to contradict a lot of the things that we talk about because finances are numeric in value. So that means they're, it's quantifiable, but you can't quantify happiness. You can't quantify peace. So the message for this tip of the week is the price of peace of mind, really. What is peace of mind worth to you? Now, because I am from an analytical background, I would look at the numbers and I would say, this is the right way to go because this gives you more bang for your buck or this gives you a better return. But for a lot of people, when it comes to what truly makes them happy in any situation, it can be the littlest instance. But what makes people happy is what makes people happy. Some people, they want to buy their investment properties or even their primary residence and own it clear, all cash. And some people do that and they're so successful at it. And there's nothing wrong with that. From a numbers perspective, again, you're going to clearly see that if you use leverage, use other people's money, use the bank, your returns are going to be far greater from a numbers perspective. But going back to that growth, it's not about that. It's about happiness. It's about peace. It's about creating the lifestyle that you deem for yourself. And if it's going to help you sleep at night, knowing that your house is fully paid off, then 10 out of 10 times, by all means, do that. Quite frankly, I know that there are many things that I could possibly think of in my life that I will choose happiness over over what the numbers play out to be. I'm going to use a weird example, but I mean, stick with me, guys. I play fantasy football and in fantasy football, there are what's called projections. And these projections actually predict the amount of points that you're going to score that week based on the, the lineups that you put in. So if you go by the numbers, you can always choose to select the right players to get you the maximum amount of points so that you can beat the other team. But nobody goes by the numbers. I mean, we start off going by the numbers, but quickly after, we want to incorporate some component of emotion, some component of how I feel about this player or how I feel about the weather conditions or how I feel about this, because it goes back to our emotion and what makes us happy. And if I don't feel right about this guy or this guy, you know, and he's starting for my team, but he's projected to have 15 points and I feel better about this other guy, but he's only projected to have nine points. But I just have a feeling that it's going to be a good day for him. I'm going to put him in my lineup every time, regardless of what the numbers say. That was a super weird analogy, guys, but I hope you guys get what I'm saying. If happiness is the goal, do that that makes you happy. I feel like many of us were so bent upon impressing our belief system on others. If it's different when 
the person you're impressing that on wants to be open, wants to be receptive and wants to learn. But if they're happy, if they're content, there's no greater joy. That's what you should want for that person, that individual. That's what you should want for yourself. So in this real estate investing journey, in this business journey, in your life journey, the goal is to do that that makes you happy. If you're not doing that, why are you doing it at all? Because if you ask somebody their why, anybody, for anything that they do, it is ultimately always going to lead back to it makes them feel good. It makes them happy. If you get down deep enough, why did you get married? I love my wife. I love my husband. Why do you love this person? They're caring. They're honest. They're giving. Why do you love that about them? Because it does something to me. It makes me feel good. I like it. Why do you take your son to baseball practice? Because he needs to do something after school. I don't want him sitting at home playing video games. Why does he need to do something besides playing video games? Because I want him to grow up to be a smart, intelligent person. (laughs) Why do you want him to grow up to do that? Because I know that'll put him in a better position. And he'll ultimately get to his goal. Why do, why do you want him to get to his goal? Maybe it'll do something for you. It'll make you happy, perhaps. Why do you want financial freedom? Ask, no, literally, guys, ask yourself right now, why do you want financial freedom? Is it so you can have the things that you've never had? What are those things going to do for you? Is it so that you can go to the places that you've never been to? What is that experience going to do for you? Is it so that you can take care of your family? If it is, why do you feel it's important to take care of your family? Because it's the right thing to do. Because why wouldn't I take care of my family? What kind of question is that? I think you do it because it makes you happy. And I think by making them happy, that makes you happy. Because when you bring joy to others, it makes you happy. So it's not, it's not bad that that is the root cause of everything that we do. Do what makes you happy. There is no price for peace. Let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation. First and foremost, let's introduce Mrs. Shannon Stewart. Hey, Shannon, how's it going? I'm well, thank you. Shannon, I've done some research on you and I've kind of gotten to know you a little bit further through our conversation before this call, but I want our listeners really quick to kind of have that background. So maybe in a a quick 15 seconds, just give us a, a brief summary of what you currently do today and how you help your clients. Definitely. So I am a tax strategist. So I'm a little bit different than about 97% of all tax professionals that exist in our environment. A tax strategist is someone who's going to proactively look for ways for you to reduce your taxation and to save you taxes. My background is I actually have been doing this since 1996. So I have a full service accounting and financial planning firm. And we have over 1,800 clients nationwide and actually internationally. A big base of our clientele are international now as well because people are living the dream. They have that passive income and now they're traveling the world. So as a tax strategist, my goal is just to be very proactive and to point out all of those places that you might be missing and paying Uncle Sam too much. People hear the subject of taxes and accounting and they just bore over. They fall asleep. They're like, this is not fun. This is not entertaining. I don't want to hear this. Guys, we have, we have a really good episode in store for you guys. And it's, it's one of those things to where, I mean, my background, as many of you guys know, was in accounting. I was a big four accountant for a long time. And to make this podcast interview most beneficial for you guys, we're going to 
literally start from the grassroots. We're going to talk about some of the benefits, just the general benefits of investing in real estate and what you guys have to look forward to for those of you guys who haven't started investing. And maybe for those of you guys who have started investing and you're looking to sell, we'll talk about the 1031 exchange. We'll talk about a few other things like cost segregation. So we'll talk about a lot of things that you guys may or may not already know as far as like tax incentives and tax breaks, but we want to make it as crystal clear for you guys so that if you guys want to, you guys can go on and either you know reach out to Shannon or go on and do your research or talk to your own accountant or your CPA or your bookkeeper, or whoever it is, and have them help you get on your way. So let's maybe take it back a little bit, Shannon. Let's let's let's, let's talk about the inception of Mrs. Stewart and how she came to be, how she how she's be, become the, this prominent tax advisor that she is today. Let's let's maybe take it before 1996 and talk about working at GE or talking about even getting the job at GE. What was your major in college? Why did you just have to come down this path? This boring. So, that's a really good question. I actually had a major of organizational development. And so GE's really big on Six Sigma and and I had that back in the day it was called total quality management before Six Sigma. So I'm dating myself there. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so I had a background in quality and in HR. And so I went to work for GE and they realized that I had a knack for numbers. So I'm blessed with a photographic memory. So I, re- I read things and it sticks in my mind. And so it kind of makes me a geek for numbers. And as I started to work my way through GE and they, they noticed I had this, this trait for, for numbers, they promoted us into a position. I had, there was one of two, I was one of, of two advisors that worked exclusively with GE employees. And my whole goal was to go out into the field and to help people establish their wealth. That was my, that was what they, that's how I, I got funneled into this. And it, so it wasn't something that I went looking for. It was something that just kind of grew out of being around people and finding mentors within the business. And I just started getting into alignment with different mentors. And as they, they kind of went up the ladder, I went, they brought me with them. So I was very blessed in that situation. And I was at the right place at the right time. And that's how that happened. But like GE, so if you ever watch what GE does, GE is a conglomerate that owns several different types of companies, actually hundreds of companies. And in true GE fashion, they decided to get rid of the company I worked for. They just called us on a Monday and said on Friday, we're selling this company to another company and you here's your Cobra package and your benefit package. Thank you for your years of service. And it was done. And I had something very critical. I mean, in that moment, you know, it's oftentimes in those moments of conflict where, you know, where you're the person you're going to become is formed. And so in that moment, I called my father. The first thing I did was call my dad and say, oh, my gosh, what do I do? And he's like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You've got this. And so I ended up calling 28 of the different GE presidents that actually happened to be my client at the time. And I said, I'm going to form my own company doing what I've been doing for GE. Will you come with me? And every single one of them said, we're with you. And that was where the birth of my company came. And it's all these years later. I mean, 20, 22 years later, and we're still here and we're growing exponentially. But I'm unlike a lot of individuals. I am not you're your average tax professional. When you think of your average tax professional, you think of an older gentleman with a pocket protector and he's going to, you know, you know, scratching numbers on a piece of paper. I have other passions. So one of the things is like I, I own a holster company. So we make concealment garments and holsters for women. I own other different ventures, real estate and things of that nature. So I tend to want, you know, even though I'm a tax professional, I'm an entrepreneur first. Yeah. 
I just happen to make my money being a tax strategist, but I have the mindset of an entrepreneur. And I think if you have a mindset of the entrepreneur, you can make money doing anything. And I think that real estate's perfect because what a way to make a passive income so you can go out and have other, you know, accomplish your other goals and dreams as well. Wow, Shannon, I was not expecting all that. Wow, you came with it. My goodness, that is amazing. And you know, it's crazy because I was talking to a client the other day and you just think about the amount of people who believe that they have a stable job. And there's nothing wrong with that belief system, but you think about a company like Arthur Anderson, or you think about some of these companies that went down in 2008. And I mean, you think about the fact that a lot of these companies have been around for a hundred years and there was no, I mean, those employees knew that they had a job for the rest of their lives. Like there was no reason why they wouldn't, unless it was something that predicated on personal performance. So you think about the fact that there's, I mean, I've had so many people on the podcast now talk about their experiences, whether it's something that they weren't able to achieve because they just weren't the right qualified person for the job and they got fired or market conditions such as 2008 or something that happened to you in which, I mean, GE just decided, hey, we don't need this division anymore. We're just going to be done with it and we're just going to wash our hands. I mean, that's out of your control. So you think about how much stability you actually have as an employee and versus how much you think you have. And then there's a, there's a large gap. There. There's a, I mean, there's a major gap there. You think about the fact that, again, you have no control over many of the things that goes on in these companies. So the sooner you can be more stabilized, the sooner you can start, you know, creating for yourself. And again, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. I'm not trying to convince everybody to be an entrepreneur. I just want people to look at risk a little bit differently. I want well, people- I agree. I mean, and I agree with you 110% because, you know, when I, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs as well, but when I decided to become an entrepreneur, both my parents were like, are you kidding me? What are you doing? And I said, I just worked for the largest one, one of the largest companies in the world. And on Monday, when I walked out of there, I didn't have a job and I didn't really care. I mean, it wasn't my passion. It was a job. It was something I went and I gave 40 hours to, but as an entrepreneur, there's risks and rewards. And I, and I will bet if you're an entrepreneur, you will work 10 times, 100 times harder than you would if you're working for someone because you're not creating someone else's dream. You're fulfilling your own. And I think that's so critical. You know, I like to throw out these stats and I, I never have anybody be able to challenge me or question me on these stats, which I think I'm happy to have you on the show. But I think about the fact that as an employee, so much of your money goes to taxes. I mean, it can be the same can be true of an entrepreneur, but there are certain ways around it. But as an employee, so much of your money goes to taxes. And, you know, you think about the fact that there are so many taxes, not even just taxes that come out of your check, but even sales tax on a daily basis. I would say close to 40 or 50 percent of your money a year goes to taxes in one way or another. I would agree. And if you're an entrepreneur and you're having your own business, there are legal loopholes and caveats in the tax code that incentivize you to be a business owner. There's incentives to be a business owner so that you are not paying me. It gives you the ability to create wealth tax advantaged as an entrepreneur. For sure. For sure. And I mean, you're spot on and I want to get into some of those, some of those here, here shortly, but we think about again, the fact that from January until June, (laughs) all of that money is going to uncle Sam. Like, I, I mean, again, when you're in that environment, it seems normal because everybody around you is doing the same thing. So you don't, there's nothing to question. Once you start exploring, you realize there's a whole nother world out there. I, I was working 70 hours a week and I was working from January to June to pay the government. And then what's crazy is you would think that you would have the second half of the year to pay yourself, right? But that's not how life works. 
Now you have to pay the bank the second half of the year. And that comes in the form of a mortgage, that comes in the form of a car note, that comes in the form of credit card bills, that comes in the form of student loans. So you're constantly on this cycle. And most people, they're never able to get out of that cycle. I mean, there's so much more outside of taxes that we can talk about, but this show, we want to talk about taxes. We want to talk about tax planning and some of the, the taxes that we've been having to pay for so long. So let's talk about the inception of your business and mm-hmm. let's get to 1996 and talk about, like, talk about one of those early failures that you maybe thought that you weren't going to be able to get out of, but you found a way and you were able to take a lesson away from that. Well, and so whenever you're starting in business, it's scary. I mean, there's no way around it. I am, there's not much in this world that scares me. I mean, yeah, they call me the gun-toting tax advisor. You know, I'm just, there's not much that scares me. But when you're in business, and I jumped into business without a backup. I mean, I, I was like, it was forced. It was like, go get a job or, or figure it out on your own. So, you know, starting in business, those first five to seven years, they were very critical years. And they were learning experiences. There were a lot that went wrong during those years of, of hiring bad people and not getting in alignment with the right employees or hiring to to Hiring too slowly is what I did. So the first, the the worst, first best advice I ever gotten that I didn't take was that hire an assistant before you can afford one. Okay. That was that was someone said to me. Hire someone, hire an assistant to help you before you can afford it. And I didn't do it because in my mind I couldn't afford to hire someone. And when I really realized about leveraging the fact that okay, you're out there doing a hundred dollar work and you can hire someone to do the twenty dollar work. That was a huge growth for me when I realized that there were certain things I was doing in my business, like bookkeeping. You can hire someone for 10 to $15 an hour to do your bookkeeping. You shouldn't be doing it. And they're going to do a heck of a lot better job than you're going to do. So that was a huge lesson when I first got started. And then, but also making sure that you're in alignment with the people that you hire. So now everyone who comes through my system does a Colby test, a Myers-Briggs test, Oftentimes they come from a headhunter because I don't want to be in alignment with people who are not like myself. I have an entrepreneurial mindset and everyone that I put around me has to have the same mindset because I need people to be forward thinking because if you're not forward thinking, you're going to miss opportunity. Yeah, I love that. And I, I, I run my, my uh, the people who work with me through the same regimen. You have to take the Myers-Briggs test. You have to take a disc assessment. Like, I love that so much because you need alignment. So that's, that's beautiful. Now, let's further progress down your journey a little bit more because I know that a lot of the listeners, they, they want to learn about taxes and tax planning. But, you know, I love this portion because we're able to see how you were able to kind of pave your way as an entrepreneur. And not many people become successful entrepreneurs, especially since we know the business statistics of how many businesses fail within the first year, how many fail within the first five years and then the yeah. next few years, it's crazy. So I love that you have been able to succeed and not only succeed, but I mean, you've been able to kill it. Let's take a step back and let's think about one of the most or maybe the best worthwhile investments you've ever made. And this doesn't have to be like an investment of real estate. This is going to be like an investment in yourself. Or maybe- well, you know, I, I can tell you right away and having a, a mentor and having business coaches. So I, the first business coach I ever had was a gentleman company by the name of Dan Sullivan, the strategic coach. And he had to make $100,000 to get into his program. And I busted my butt to get to that level. And it was $100,000 of profit. And so I busted my butt because I knew that I needed to not reinvent the wheel. I needed to be in a place where people had pioneered before me. And I didn't have to, to figure it out on my own. And so even today, I have paid business coaches 
I have a tax attorney who I pay as my coach and oftentimes, and he's become my friend. I've had him, you know, five, seven years. And we don't talk just about tax strategy. We talk about building our businesses and also life things. I also, you know, I find people like that you have mastermind groups. So masterminding is so critical and proper masterminding. So I went to Bob Proctor, a Proctor Gallagher Institute. Um, if you've ever watched The Secret, he's one of the speakers in The Secret. Um, so I went to Bob Proctor and I, I joined his coaching program. I joined his inner circle. I joined the matrix. I did everything I could. Um, I mean, I have today I have a $150,000 budget for coaching and masterminding because it is so critical to get into the proper space of people who are already successful so that you can catch their mindset because entrepreneurial and even entrepreneurial mindset and also success mindset, prosperity mindset is something that you have to teach yourself because if you listen to the world, the world is noisy and it's going to tell you all kinds of things that are going to try to squash your dreams. So you've got to get yourself around those people who are already successful and living their dreams so that it's like a quantum leap when you get around people like that. And I remember when I met Bob Proctor, he said, do exactly as I tell you to do until you know that I'm wrong and I'm 80 plus years old or I lie. And I never, my mother taught me never to lie. And so when I got around Bob Proctor, I did, if he told me to do something, I did it. Even if it seemed mundane, like getting up every morning and writing a gratitude list. Why? Don't just do it. Get up, write the 10 things you're happy for and the two things that are bothering you and send love and positive energy to them. And then the next thing was get up every day and read something. I call it pre-Gutenberg now. Read something that was like in a book, not social media, not news media. Read something, Shakespeare. Maybe it's like every year I read Proverbs because it has 30, you know, go through each a proverb every day. Read something that makes your brain actually slow down and process on a higher level. And now my business mentor, Perry Marshall, said he, he calls it his renaissance time. So, you know, I've started in the, in the last year, year and a half to get up every morning at 5 a.m. and have what I call renaissance time where I'm doing gratitude and prayer and meditation. And then I'm spending, I'm not reacting. I'm not turning on social media. I'm not checking emails. All of that waits so that I can sit there and visioneer what my next steps are as an entrepreneur. And I do that from five until seven 30 every day. Yeah. So those are things that have helped me be successful. And, and people, I think we get so busy, you know, it's on, I got to go, go, go. And it's in those quiet moments of reflection is when we can hear that inner voice that tells us these are the things we need to be doing to move forward. So. Yeah. Yeah. Shannon, I did not know you were coming with all this. <laughs> I didn't, I had no idea. This is beautiful. I mean, man, we align so much as far as our, our belief system and our thoughts and our patterns. I mean, this is, this is something that I love to stress out to the listeners because it's super important. I mean, everything starts with the thing between your ears. And once you get your mindset aligned, I mean, even me, like I kind of have the same morning ritual that you do. And I based mine originally off of the miracle morning. And then when I started getting coaches and consultants and mentors, I kind of molded mine the way I saw fit. But I mean, I wake up at 530 and I do not start working until 10. 
Mm -hmm. And that whole morning is literally for self-improvement. So similar to you, about two and a half hours is literally me meditating, visualizing my future self, the success that I've already achieved, even though I haven't achieved that success yet, but being in that state of mind so that when I go out throughout my day, I'm operating from abundance. I'm operating from success and that I would react in a way like, you know, just thinking about a goal. Let's just think about when I was in corporate America, if I would have gave, given myself a five-year goal to escape the rat race, which I did, and I gave myself a two-year goal, and I was able to do it in 18 months. But if I would, would have gave myself a five-year goal to escape the rat race, my daily actions, my daily routines, my daily interactions would have all been predicated on the fact that I knew that I had a five-year goal. So mm -hmm. the way I invested in real estate, the way I thought about making business deals, like everything would have aligned with the five-year goal. So that it probably would have taken me five years to escape the rat race. But by changing my thinking to saying, hey, it's going to take me two years to escape the rat race. Now I've aligned myself. I've looked at myself two years in the future and I've looked at the person I am and what I'm doing and how I'm operating. And now I'm that person and it's been 18 months. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things to where your mind is super powerful. That mind work, that gratitude journal, you know, you, you being thankful for everything that, that has come to you and everything that will come to you, man, it's a beautiful thing. And that's a key thing because one of the things with gratitude, I call it visioneering. It's your, so I, and I'll give you this too. I used to be a pastor. So I have a master's of divinity. I pastored nice. this convention for eight years. It kind of kicked me out because I'm a little bit different in my thinking. You know, I, I believe you can be prosperous. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I believe you can be prosperous. I don't think that you should live and be poor. I don't think that's the mandate. But when we're talking about thinking about the person you're becoming, because when you start to cast that vision and cast it and create the person you want to become, you will take steps subconsciously to become you know, they say that the subconscious and the conscious mind doesn't, they can't tell the difference between truth, what's true or false. So if you're feeding into your conscious mind and your subconscious mind, a vision of the person that you're going to become, it will manifest because you will automatically start to take the steps to make it happen. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. Exactly. Well said. And again, it's one of those things to where I think that we can stop the podcast right here because I, this is so much value for the listeners and man, I have to go back and listen to this again. And we're not even halfway done. I mean, you talk about the fact that when, when I mean, and you, you spend a lot more than I do. I've only been an entrepreneur for a few short years and I've probably already spent close to 75,000 in, in coaching and consulting and mentorship. And, you know, like similar to you, I have business mentors that are on payroll, I have mentors that don't even know me that I look at from afar and, I, and they mentor me, whatever, whether it's through a social media platform, whatever the case may be. And I have mentors that I'm personally friends with and they don't even know they're my mentors. So it's one of those things to where, you know, I was just on a call with my Facebook group and I was telling them, I was like, hey, you literally, and I've always found this to be true, you take the income. If we're talking about financial, you take the income of the five closest people to you, add it up and you divide it by five. I guarantee you, you will not be too far off from the mean. Like whether it's five or 10 grand, you will not be too far off from the mean. And I found that to be true every single time. So you think about the fact that, yes, you may pay a mentor 10, 20, $30,000, but if you look at that as an investment in yourself, you know, and you look at that, like some people are like, well, that's too much. I can't pay a mentor that much. I can't do that. Or, you know, whatever the case may be, think about what it's already costing you. Mm -hmm. Think about the five, think about the past five years that you haven't been a real estate investor or you haven't done the things that you, you truly want to do. And let's just say a real estate investor is going to, or your goal is to make $10,000 a month by real estate investing. And this has been your goal for the past three, four years, five years. You haven't gotten started. You haven't figured it out. Well, you're a half a million dollars in the hole. Mm-hmm. That's what it's costing you, not the $10,000 it is to work with this person and to literally be able to create financial wealth for yourself and your family for eternity. Because again, you buy an investment asset. If it's cash flowing $250, you get that $250 every single month for the rest of your life. Exactly.
Exactly. So, and, again, and, I, I love this. I love this. So let's move on a little bit because we can stay on the subject forever. <laughs> and, I mean, this, this is this is literally what I love to talk about. But before we get into into the nuts and bolts, into the strategy that people want to hear, let's maybe talk about you know what new realizations. Or l- let me ask you this: Stick into mindset. Whenever you feel overwhelmed, whenever you feel unfocused, or maybe you just lost your focus temporarily, what do you do to get yourself back in alignment? And if it's helpful, what questions do you ask yourself? Yeah. Well, so uh, you can't see my screen. Because I have post-it notes. I'm a post-it note person. I have a vision. I have vision boards at home. I have vision boards here. When I am, I call it getting wobbly. When I get wobbly, I go to prayer and meditation because that means I'm not spending enough time getting focused. I'm not getting enough time, and that's what one of my post-it notes says. What's your focus, or what is your intention for today? What is your intention? And then this is the question. When I do my journaling every morning, I say, what is the number one question or problem I'm trying to answer right now? Could be personal. It could be business. Um, I have a lot of people. I actually coach people and have people that I mentor around me. And oftentimes I'm working on their issues too. I'm in in my time thinking about that. But when I get wobbly, it's because I'm not taking the time for that, that centering of reflection because I'm getting into the busyness of life. And there's a gentleman named Richard Koch, who if you ever read his story, he works like two hours a day and he, like, he'll jump on his bike and he'll go ride his bike for like four hours in the wilderness. And then he'll come home and he'll, he'll work two hours and he's a multimillionaire. And he counts, he's like, it's because in those quiet times that my brain is actually stilled and the noise of the world is quiet so that I can hear whatever it is. Is it is your intuition or your inner self or, or what have you? I can hear that and move forward. I love that so much. And what was, what was that entrepreneur's name? Uh, Richard Koch, K-O-C-H. So he's a marketing genius. He wrote the 80, 20, some 80-20 books, like 80-20 marketing. He's phenomenal. And it's something definitely to take a look at. 8020 Manager is another good book too. Love it, love it, love it. Well, Shannon, it's now time to kind of jump into some strategy. Let's give our listeners some nuggets to kind of take away from this conversation. And when we talk about tax planning, when we talk about accounting, when we talk about all the things that people kind of shy away from when it comes to real estate, or maybe don't even have any idea about, before we get into tax planning and what you should do, let's maybe talk about the benefits of real estate from a tax perspective, just buying a single family home. You know, mm-hmm. you're, 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 you're a working professional, you're making a hundred grand a year, whatever the case may be, and you buy your first single family home. What are some of the tax benefits of doing that? Or maybe even compare it to paper assets. You know, some, a lot of these people invest in their 401k. So if you want something to compare it to, compare it to a 401k investment. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, definitely. So, I mean, your 401k invest, okay, a couple of things with your 401k you are going to be putting money in usually pre-taxed and then when, so it means coming off your income. So if you have a hundred dollars and you put $10 in, you're only paying taxes on $90. But then when you get to over 59 and a half and you pull that money out, you're paying taxes on it. So it's a deferred gratification. Okay. And you can't touch it without penalty before age 59 and a half, unless there's certain, certain circumstances like death, like disability and things of that nature. When you go into real estate investing, from a tax standpoint, if you are a real estate professional, you are able to actually take that. There's a difference in real estate investing. There's cash flow. So someone's paying you that monthly rent 
and it's in you're taking that monthly rent and you're paying all the expenses of that property but at the end of the day you have a little bit of money left over but on a tax return you actually get to depreciate your building or your or your, that residence and so on paper on the tax return it looks like a loss like you've actually lost money from a tax standpoint and if you're a real estate professional you get to take that loss and offset your other w-2 income or your investment income so you're overall paying less in taxes by doing that and you still have cash flow because remember this is a paper loss it's not doesn't mean you don't have money in your hand it means from a government standpoint the way that they're going to look at this investment it looks like you have a loss on paper. I love this so much because it's it's one of those subjects which I know for a lot of people it may be hard to like you know wrap their head around this. So we try to we try to make it as simple as possible. Just think, and I'm kind of gonna probably repeat your words, but I want the listeners to really understand this when it comes to taking a loss. Let's just say you are making a hundred grand a year, and my number's not gonna line up, but it's just for example purposes. Let's say you are making a hundred grand a year from your W two job, and you buy a real estate investment for one hundred and fifty thousand, and you're cash flowing two hundred fifty dollars a month, whatever the case may be. You can depreciate that home to the point to where, in the government's eyes, even though you've made two hundred and fifty dollars a month and you've made a couple grand that year, like you've actually collected that, like as far as like that's how much you've actually made on paper, it can appear. And a lot of times it does, especially when you find a sweet spot, it does appear that you have taken a loss for that year. So you have negative income, but you actually don't. It's just on paper. It's just how accounting works. We're not going to get into that. But <laughs> what happens is that negative income is now able to offset. Let's just say it's five grand that year. That offsets your W-2 income. So your taxable income without a real estate investment is hundred grand. But now because you have a real estate investment that actually makes you money, but it looks like it doesn't, that loss that you took, that $5,000 loss is now added to your taxable income on the W-2 side. So now instead of you being taxed at hundred grand a year, you're being taxed at 95 grand a year. And am I explaining that well? Exactly, yes. So your taxable income on the W-2 side now decreases. And it decreases while at the same time, you're now a real estate investor and you're making money. So you're, it's almost like you're winning on both sides. And it's one thing that if you guys can, again, you don't have to know the intricacies of how much to depreciate and things like that. That's for your tax professional. But it's one of those things where I believe it's 27 and a half years for single family. Correct. And 39 years for commercial. So it's one of those things to where you want to definitely start taking advantage of that. That's one of many ways that you can benefit from investing in real estate. And do you have a couple more for us before we kind of move on to the next section? Well, I think that, you know, if you're going to be investing in real estate and you're borrowing to actually buy your real estate, you're actually using the bank's money in a cost effective way. So your money's really cheap right now to borrow, even though interest rates are going up it's still really cheap to borrow and use someone else's money to build your portfolio, to build equity. That's another great point. You think about the fact that, I mean, who was that? I think Albert Einstein said the greatest, the greatest gift, you know, as far as investing goals was like compound interest or something like that. Yeah, like, like the, the eighth great wonder of the world. Yeah, yeah the eighth great wonder. Of the world. Like, I like to challenge him on that. And I like <laughs> to say the, 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 eighth is, the eighth wonder of the world is actually leverage. Ooh, yes. When you have, when you're able to take compound interest off of a leveraged asset. I mean, that's when things really get crazy because again, guys, with paper assets, you want to buy Facebook stock, you have to pay. I mean, there are ways that you don't have to, but nine times out of 10, you have to pay a hundred percent of how much that stock is valued at to be able to buy that stock. Mm -hmm. With the real estate, you can pay as little as 3.5%. You can pay 5%, you can pay 10%. 
and the bank fronts the rest of that money. And they take a debt position. So what that means is that any upside that you get from appreciation, from forced appreciation, from anything, any upside that you get is all yours. Albert should have known this. (laughs) One of the things that he should have definitely known, but no, compound interest and leverage are one thing that I think that when it comes to real estate investing, that's why it's one of my favorite asset classes. I mean, you think about some of the other benefits. You think about the fact that you always need somewhere to live. You think about the fact that real estate over the long term will always appreciate. You think about the fact that you have control over this. There's no way that you can control Mark Zuckerberg. He's just not going to allow that. <laughs> you, can, you, you can literally go in and be cash flowing in a property, $600, and do some renovations or you know, hire a cheaper property manager, whatever the case may be. And you can literally, you have the, the ability to affect your investment, however you see fit. I mean, it, it, it's beautiful. So let's maybe talk about some other benefits of real estate. And I want to jump into 1031 exchanges really quick, because I think that we've covered that a little bit on the show, but a lot of the listeners may not quite fully understand what a 1031 exchange is. So maybe from a 30,000 foot view, what is a 1031 exchange and how can we take advantage of this? Well, I never actually called a 1031 exchange because my people's eyes kind of gloss over. I always say it's a like kind exchange. Ah, I love that. Because you can take this property and sell it and upgrade it to a new property and it's called a like kind exchange and there's no tax consequence by doing that. Now, there's rules and regulations around, you know, moving that money from, you know, selling one property and, and, and upgrading into a new property. But the key point there is that they're like investments. You're going from real estate to real estate. And by doing that, you're able to maybe take a property that's not performing well and sell it and then buy a property that's, you know, an upgrade or performing in a, in a better capacity. And you're not even if you you have a built-in gain, so let's say you you bought a property for fifty thousand dollars and now it's worth a hundred, you would pay taxes on the spread of what you invested in what it's worth today. If you do a ten thirty one like kind exchange and you take the proceeds from that first property you're going to sell and you invest it into your new property, there's no tax consequence for doing that. For sure. And I want to, again, I want to break that down for the listeners who are just like, what? What did she just say? So, so, so basically what you're telling me, Shannon, is that I buy a property that that's worth $50,000. And when I buy this property, let's just say a year or two down the line, it appreciates and it's now worth $100,000 and I want to sell. When I sell that property, you know, because I'm about to make a $50,000 gain, I have to talk to Uncle Sam and he has to tell me that I owe him some money because he gets a portion of that gain. You can get 20%, much? yeah. 20%, 20% of my, my income, my earnings, if I sell that property. So a lot of the time, investors, perhaps they may not want to sell because that's a big loss. They may, I mean, that's definitely something detrimental to the financial picture of what you may have thought you were going to get. But there's a loophole, and I wouldn't call it a loophole, but there's a, I don't know, we'll just call it a loophole for now. But it's not a loophole because, it's, I mean, it's in, the, it's in the law. There's a way that you can buy a property and you can sell that property and get the whole $50,000 gain if you decide to use that gain on a like or a similar property. Is that correct? That is correct. And some of you guys may be like, well, what happens to the taxes? Well, yes, you eventually still have to pay those taxes, but we're shortly going to talk about a way that you may not have to pay those taxes. But for now, let's just keep it really simple. You buy a $50,000 property, you sell it for $100,000, and that $50,000 gain is all yours. 
if you decide to go and buy another property. So let's just say your first property was a triplex. Now you're looking to buy a six unit building and you put all 100 grand in that six unit building. You don't pay any taxes on that at the point of purchase. So, I mean, you eventually still owe that money and you're probably going to owe some more money on the new property as you know time goes on and that, that appreciates as well. But if you keep, and there are many investors who keep rinsing and repeating this process. I mean, you can start from what, a single family home, get a duplex and get a fourplex and get an eightplex and you can eventually get up to a hundred unit building and not having paid any taxes. And I mean, this can eventually mount up to millions in taxes where you haven't paid a single penny and you owe this money. Now, is there a way, which I know there is, is there a way to where you never have to pay those millions of dollars in taxes? Like what happens when you die? So when you, you pass away, your heirs actually receive those assets, those properties, at what we call a step-up in basis. So basically what that means is that on the date of your death, if that property is worth a million dollars, your heirs inherit that property and it to them is worth a million dollars. So if they sold it the next month or next few months after your, your death, they would pay zero in taxation because there is a, what we call a step-up. It means that the, the IRS is going to take, just kind of wipe away all of the basis or what your original investment was and assume that your heirs now have inherited it at its highest point on the date of your death. Now, your heirs don't have to necessarily sell it right away. They could continue to build their own portfolios, but what that does is it gives them a tax advantage floor of what that value of that property is if they ever want to go ahead and sell it in the future. Beautiful. I love that. And, you know, again, guys, this is something that you don't have to learn the intricacies of. I talk about building up your team and having important vital members of your team. I talk about having an accountant, having a bookkeeper, having attorneys, having your real estate agent, so on and so forth. These are the people that they're going to know their area of expertise. You as the head coach, you want to definitely understand everything that everybody's doing, but there's no reason why you should learn the ins and outs of lending. There's no reason as a real estate investor why you should learn that. You should get with a trusted advisor, going back to mentorship, going back to networking, going back to building the right team. There are certain people like Shannon who are experts at what they do, and they will gladly, gladly take this off your hands. Now, let's get into some more benefits of real estate investing. Now, we've talked about some of the benefits from a tax perspective, but we forget that being a real estate investor also means that we're business owners. Mm -hmm. So are there benefits that you have as a business owner that you wouldn't have as an employee as far as expenses and what you're able to do with those? Kind of talk to us about that a little bit. Well, definitely. And this is where proper bookkeeping becomes very important and very critical. So there's something new that's out now. And I don't know if you're aware or if your listeners may be aware, but underneath the new tax law, there's something called a qualified business income deduction. So what that basically means is that there's this new 20% pass-through deduction that can reduce your taxes even further because you're a business owner. And what's so, so cool about this is as a business owner, there are things that you have in your personal life that you, you utilize on an everyday plan of existence as a business owner. So your cell phone, your internet, your home office, your, your mileage, your car, education, having those mentors. These are all business-related expenses that can offset that income even further. And one of the things I always, you know, that's where bookkeeping becomes so critical is making sure that you're keeping proper records. You know, you're not just throwing everything into a shoebox, that you're actually organizing those things because there's, there are deductions out there as a business owner that you can actually take on your taxes that you're probably missing because you're not keeping proper records. 
There are not light bulb moments going on on this interview, guys. You guys are not listening. You guys are not paying attention. So you're telling me, Shannon, that our cell phone expense can be tax deductible, our commute, our mileage. Even, I mean, let's talk about a car really quick. Is there any way for me to, to, to get a new car, whether I'm buying or leasing? Is there a way for me to get a new car, have some type of tax benefit from that purchase or from that lease? Um, kind well, of definitely. I mean, from a standpoint of being a real estate professional, if, you're having, if you have an automobile and you're going around to your different properties and you're utilizing that for business, you're going to be able to depreciate that vehicle on your tax return. Give us some numbers. Give us an example. So let's just talk about, I mean, it could be a car. It could be even a portion of your house. Like, what does that yeah. mean to be able to depreciate that? And how can, how are real estate investors benefiting from that depreciation? So one of the things that, one of the things I teach my clients really right off the bat is something, I give them a spreadsheet and I call it an accountable plan. And that's just a fancy term that accountants use is there where you actually record your personal, personal home mortgage, your utilities, your insurance your, you know, could be like water, sewer, trash, your cell phone, your home phone, your internet, and you put it into a spreadsheet where we can calculate how much of that is actually your personal use and your business use. And it actually, in, in many clients' tax return, it can lead to a two to $4,000 savings in taxation by just keeping track of what you're paying in your personal life as far as even just your home office expenses, like the ink that you buy and the paper that you buy in your cell phone, and maybe you bought a new iPad and you're out or you're, you've got the square and you're taking rent payments, you know, on your iPad or on your, on your smartphone. Those are things that if you're using in the daily course of your business are used on a percentage basis for the business, you can actually deduct. When you talk about something like an iPad, because again, I think that the listeners are really intrigued here. When you talk about something like an iPad, how much that how much of that is deductible? Does it depend on how much you use, or does it just depend on the the amount that it costs? How much of that is deductible? So we're going to talk. We're going to look at your accountant should look at what percentage is used for business. So, like, I'll give you an example. We have an iPad here that we take credit card payments on. It's a hundred percent for business use. It doesn't leave the office it's used 100% within my business. So we're going to write 100% of that off. Now, I also walk around with an iPad because I put everything in Evernotes and all of that good stuff. And it's 80%. I don't, do I pick it up and use it for something else? Yes. So I can make a reasonable determination that 80% of my usage for that iPad that I carry with me is for business. And so I'm going to write off 80% of it. So it goes, it goes on, it's based on your your percentage of business usage. So I have one last thing before we move on to the last and final segment. I mean, I want to talk about office space in your home and how to how to have that deductible. But what's more important for some of the listeners out there is maybe their kids. Maybe they give their kids allowances or maybe they pay their kids. Is there a way to incorporate your kids in your real estate business or in your business in general so that you can take advantage of some of these, these tax incentives? That's one of the, the biggest things that individual business owners actually do. Now, there are there's a caveat to that because if you are paying someone as an employee, you have to file proper payroll forms and give a W-2 and things of that nature. So there's, there's some things that have to be in consideration, but you can hire your children to work with you. And under the new tax law, you can pay them up to $12,000 per year, and they're not going to pay taxes on that $12,000 because of the new standard deduction limits. So when we're talking about tax planning, that's one of the key things that when we're talking about, we're talking about shifting income. How do I shift income from myself to someone else or to a different place on my tax return to mitigate taxes? And one way to do that is to hire your children 
as employees in order to accomplish that. I love that. And some of the listeners may just be like, well, my kids are too young. There's no way to implement this. And I mean, there's a, definitely a fine line between how much you can pay your kids and what's reasonable. And you right. can't just pay your kids a million dollars a year and think that, oh, I'm not paying taxes on this. It's pretty yeah. cool. It has to be reasonable. So even for young kids, I think a great example for implementing young kids in your business is you might have a newborn baby. That baby can be a model for your website. And mm -hmm. that is a job. That is a job. You can pay your newborn to actually be a part of the business. And that, I mean, that's a tax break right there. So I want you guys to get creative and really think about some of this stuff. But actually, what I really want you guys to do is find a professional, work with a professional. And the type of professionals I like to recommend are professionals in their field, but they're also real estate investors because they're going to know exactly what you need. If you went to a random accountant, if you went to a random bookkeeper, if you went to a random tax planner, they may be superb at what they do. But the fact that they are not real estate investors, they they may not know your exact situation. They may not be able to relate. They may not have the insight that, that, that Shannon has. So whenever you're looking for a professional in any field, whether it's a lender or my lenders, every single one of my lenders is a real estate investor. I will not work with a lender who doesn't own real estate. I mean, that's just a personal rule of mine. And if you guys want to adopt that rule, I definitely think that you should because you will bode well for, for that. Shannon, do you agree? I agree. Exactly. Lifestyle Design Acceleration Hacks. What is your favorite Before the Millions book? Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Why is that your favorite Before the Millions book? So I think that there's a science to getting rich. That's another great book by Wallace Waddles. But there is a science to getting rich and Napoleon Hill figured it out. And he actually uncovers everything you need to do in that book, Think and Grow Rich. And if you take that book and you study it, and I read it every single year fresh, if you study that book, you're going to glean so much wisdom and it's just going to, it's like going to be like a path opens up as you read this and you're going to have such insight and such, you're going to kind of take all of the, the wisdom of Carnegie and, and everyone that Napoleon Hill interviewed and you're going to be able to apply it today. It's timeless. Yeah, I definitely agree. I am in 100% agreement with you. I think that I read it every single year as well. I have a few books I read every year and it's, it's one of those things to where it's not a repetitive process. I mean, guys, every single year you're in a different place in life. You have new beliefs, you have new thoughts, you're working with different people. And every single time, it's going to bring you a different insight. You're going to catch something that you didn't catch the last time. You're going to read something that's going to mean something different to you than it meant the last time. So, guys, I would definitely recommend that book. And I recommend you guys read it constantly. Can't agree enough. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. I use Trello. I love Trello. I put everything on Trello. In fact, people make fun of me because everything goes on Trello. I have a, the books I want to read are on a Trello board. My bucket list is on a Trello board. My affirmations are on a Trello board. So actually, that's one of the first things I look at every morning is my on my Trello board. My gratitude is on my Trello board. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? You know, I wake up every day and I live my dream. I think that if you're looking at your life and you're just, you know, it's not about things. Money's easy, um, but life is a lot more than just money. It's about the moment and just being in the moment and having the ability to make the decision if I have the time to be in the moment. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? And I see you laughing, so it must, it must be a good one. <laughs> oh my gosh, like no cable. That was, that's huge. We still don't have cable in our house because I think that we can spend so many hours just watching mindless 
things that we could actually be doing things like reading, thinking, grow rich. But, you know, in those lean years, like even now, I don't really eat out. I don't have cable. Now, there are different things I don't skimp on. Like I get a massage every week and I go to float therapy and I, you know, I do things like that, more personal care things. But, and my kids, they, we didn't, because they didn't have cable, I'm a single mom. So it helped because then they didn't want all the latest and greatest things because they didn't know it existed. I like you know? that one. I like I, that and one. they wore uniforms <laughs> to school, so they didn't know that they weren't wearing the best shoes, you know? And I think it's not about keeping up with the Joneses. This is about, at the end of the day, when you close your front door, that you've created the life that's best for you and your family. It's not about what society tells you. I really like that. That's, that's beautiful. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? You know, it can just be a person doesn't have to be anybody's famous you mean yeah my dad my dad was my greatest champion he believed in me when I didn't believe in myself and you need to surround yourself with people who believe in you because there will be those days when you're like what am I doing and why am I doing this you know like my one day I had a, I had an epic failure of something it wasn't epic in my mind it was epic and my son who has Asperger's said to me have you ever contemplated, mom, that the definition of insanity is waking up and doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results? And I said, honey, that's the definition of entrepreneurship. I was just going to say that. Like, that's not, I, that's so, that's commonly misconstrued as the definition of insanity. And yeah. that's not the definition of insanity. And he, you know, he's like an eight-year-old, you know, on the autism spectrum, and he knew the definition. And I said, the reason I will get up every day and I will work 120 hours a week for my dream before I go and work for someone else's. And even if I wake up and it looks like it's something, you know, technology fails or this fails or it wasn't a good business move, that's okay. I learned something. So my, my thing that I live my life by is it is what it is. If something happens, it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. Look for the good. Look for the good in any moment that happens and then forgive the rest. It's a lesson. Just move on. And I think that as entrepreneurs, you gotta you gotta be able to pivot really quick. It's all about pivoting. Shannon, why didn't you tell me that you would be this good of an interview? <laughs> well, have <laughs> me back. I would love to. <laughs> Come back. Definitely. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? Well, I think that most people don't know how to think critically. To be honest with you, I think actually 97% of people that you meet don't know how to think. And I think that one of the things I had a mentor say to me one time, I said something like off the cuff. And he said, why do you believe that? And I looked at him and he said, did someone teach you that? Did you hear it in church? Did you hear it in school? Did you hear it on the radio? Is that your belief or did you pick it up? And I was like, excuse me, you know, I have this attitude kind of. And he said, I don't think that's really your belief. I think it's something you you've just picked up and it's become your belief system and it doesn't serve you any longer. So you need to put it down. And I think that is so critical is when things when you're not manifesting and you're not getting to the level that you need to get at, you need to take a look at what you're telling yourself and what you're believing, because oftentimes you're believing a lie. Yeah, that's powerful. I love that. That is a, a great parting gift for our listeners. And again, I've gotten so many nuggets from our conversation. I know the listeners have gotten a lot of value. If anybody wants to connect with you, learn a little bit more about your services and what you do and how to get in contact with you. Maybe have a question or two for you. How do they do all of that? Definitely. They can go to my website, which is advancedaccounting.com. 
and up at the right hand corner, they can actually click a link to get a free tax review. And we'll do a Zoom call for a half hour and we'll just talk about their particular situation. So it's advancedaccounting.com. Love it. Again, guys, it's advancedaccounting.com and that will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, Shannon, for all the inspiration and advice and fortitude you've been able to provide for us. I think you've gotten us in the right mindset. You've gotten me in the right mindset. The rest of my day is going to be beautiful because I'm just like, I can do anything. I can conquer anything. I just need to believe it. So thank you so much for all that you do. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit to work with the Before the Millions team, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. That's beforethemillions.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what is your cash flow goal? How much are you looking to make every month? Number two, your personalized investing strategy. And number three, the best way to get started using cash flowing rental real estate. Remember, starting and scaling your real estate investments and business doesn't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We've helped clients all over the world start and scale their investing efforts to six figures and beyond while enjoying life and making the world a better place. To find out if we can help you do the same, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. I'm Dorel Lallier, and let's talk soon.